you know, went from being a wrestler and a, and a football player to getting to win two national championships at Oregon State and getting drafted by the Padres. I was like, wait, you mean I get to manage for the Seattle Mariners organization? I am in. If, if you're fearless to think about it and fearless to write about it, fearless to say it and fearless to act on it, you got a chance of doing it. If you really want something, you got to think about it, you got to write it down, you got to talk about it, and you got to be about it. You know, those four steps, that's how great things happen. And what are those opportunities for growth and how are we working on them to turn them into strengths? Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. On this episode, we sit down with Mitch Canham, manager of the Modesto Nuts in the Seattle Mariners organization. He also is a two-time World Series champion with Oregon State as he locked down the backstop. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Mitch Canham. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're here with Mitch Canham, manager of the Manesto Nuts. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Um, thanks for having me on. Look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, you know, Mitch, a big reason that we wanted to have you on is obviously um, a whole bunch of, you know, so much perspective that you have on the game. Um, a big part of it, too, with being in that Seattle uh, Manners organization, you guys are, you know, pushing some limits and using a lot of data and technology. And, um, you know, as you, you guys are really focused on player development. And and with that being said, I think you have so much to offer, not only, you know, the game of baseball and, and us, but you know, you're just, you're just contributing to the game constantly, and we appreciate you giving back. Oh, it's um, it's the best organization in the world to be a part of. I've been waiting to be a part of the Mariners since I was, well, born in September of '84. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's so awesome to hear. And you know, Mitch, obviously, that's not where your journey begins. Uh, do you mind opening up and telling our listeners a little bit about the journey that the game of baseball has taken you on? Yeah. Um, well, I, I really, I don't, I, I never classified myself, I guess, as a, a good ball player um, growing up. I enjoyed more so football and, and wrestling, uh, but uh, our family had us playing t-ball and all that stuff coming up. It was being from the Northwest, um, <clears throat> the baseball seasons are a little shorter due to rain and snow, um, but um, I, I had a, a great moment when I was, I was asked to go down and, and join a summer league team, um, fill in for first base position, which uh, they said, hey, have you ever played first base? Uh, no. Well, can you? Sure. <laughs> do, you, do you have a glove? I'd love to play. Um, we couldn't really afford to play summer ball or any of that stuff, but just so happened one time um, they needed a guy to fill in, and I got the phone call, so I went down. And um, my junior summer was playing 
first base um, at Oregon State, uh, their tournament they put on, and just had a phenomenal weekend of baseball. Smacked a homer, triple opposite field, picked the ball real well, stole some bases, and we even <laughs> got a little bit of a scrap with the team from up north. And um, right after all that uh, settled down, um, Dan Spencer uh, came out, the assistant coach at the time there, who's now at Washington State, came out and, hey, what do you think about playing ball uh, here? And I are you serious? Of course, I, I'm all in. I, you know, I hadn't had anyone talk to me about playing ball anywhere, and Dan had saw something in me that he liked, and um, so from from then on, I I then uh, stepped away from wrestling in the winter and started training, and you know, wanted to make sure that I could I can go there and do something special, and someone believed in me, and that was a huge transition. I went from I, I you know. Our our baseball coach in high school, his wife, his wife uh, Bianca, kept uh, the scorebook. So she and she liked me, you know. She was a sweetie. She, I think she padded the stats, and it and by her padding the stats, it helped me hit a solid 220 probably <laughs> through high school. And, and then uh, and then um, um, after after that, my senior year, I started off one for 25. I was having a rough go and. You know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I remember when Dan Spencer came up and watched me play, and he's just like, hey, I don't care how you do, you're coming. You're, you're going to be a beef. And, uh, you know, he's, don't put pressure on yourself, man. You go out there. You know you can do it, so do it. And I felt like I didn't get out the rest of the year and finally performed to the level that I, I, I worked prepared for and went down there after my senior year and, did some work study, prepared all year, and I just, you know, after a well, while, I actually had a couple, couple wrist surgeries, and they, they go, hey, what do you think about, what do you think about catching? I assume they did that because they saw me play third, third base and use my body more than my, my hands, so they figured I could block a ball, and uh, it just, um, it kind of, kind of started to speed up from there in, in, in a great way. I was very fortunate to be around uh, a lot of great mentors and, you know, went from being a wrestler and a, and a football player to getting to win two national championships at Oregon State and getting drafted by the Padres. So, and, you know, I, I think even though having not made it to the, the big leagues, I'm very um, proud of the, the career that um, I was able to have and, Grateful for all the support, people who pushed me and taught me the game. Baseball's brought a lot to myself and my family and and those around me, and that's kind of led to, you know, why I why I continue to stay in the game. I've I've found a, a huge love for teaching, um, and how much it can transform someone's life. Growing up watching the Mariners every night, you know, seven o'clock came around. My dad and my best friend and my brother we parked in front of the front of the TV watching the game or listening to it on the radio, and it kept us out of a lot of trouble and uh, it's provided a lot of opportunity. So keeping kids in sports and teaching them life skills—that's that's that's, uh, that's really where what, what baseball has done. And that's where I want to be. Mitch, that's awesome. Could you kind of dive into you know making how that transition was uh, just like. 
how, how did you end up getting into coaching and you know, what led you to the spot you are now? <laughs> well, I figured it was time to uh, start the next phase of my career when I continue to get phone calls about, Hey, you ready to start coaching? I'm like what? And I was like, Oh, I get it. I get it. And you guys are sick of seeing me play. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> no, I wasn't like that, but, um, um, I had been, I had gotten a few phone calls about coaching and, you know, I, I, my body got pretty beat up playing. I've had over a dozen surgeries, um, you know, since, since I got into college, um, knees and shoulders and wrists and all that fun stuff. But I had talked it over with my wife and like, you know, this, this year right here in 15, it's going to be my last one. Went out and played some some indie ball and yeah, we'll see, you know, I've prepared all off season, so we might as well go out and have some fun and uh, spend one more year playing baseball, but knew that that would be it for me. And um, I had gotten a phone call from Andy McKay and Chris Forbes. Chris Forbes was my summer ball coach um, out in the Cape Cod league back in 04, excuse me, 06, 06. And, I also got, and he's with the uh, the Rockies at the time, still is. And then I got a call from Andy McKay, who was with the Rockies, but got the position with the Mariners. And Andy called me and talked to me about coaching as well. And Andy was my summer ball coach uh, in 05 uh, up in Anchorage. Uh, played for him uh, for the Glacier Pilots, my first, first college summer plan. So hmm. I had... You know, and I had not talked to Andy for a long time since, uh, since playing for him. But, uh, you know, Chris Forbes being around him, I guess they had had conversations around me. They had both seen me um, as, a, as a player. You know, both, both believed that I would be a strong, strong coach, strong teacher. And, you know, uh, I love Chris and I love Andy and... <laughs> I said, Chris, you know, I'd, I'd follow you to the end of the world, my man, but when your childhood team calls and, and gets you a position to coach, I'm all over it. <laughs> so I was like, wait, you mean I get to manage for the Seattle Mariners organization? I am in. <laughs> so it went from it went from my wife and I talking, and like, well, done with pro ball, let's move on. You know, we started a company, and visions of, uh, of starting our nonprofit and um, being involved in our community back home. And it's like, yep, pro ball's over. And then two weeks later, I was like, we are back in this game. Let's go. <clears throat> so kind of came as a bit of a shock, but we were very excited about it. Love it. So this, uh, this past year, you guys, as an organization hired Dustin Lind. Um, he, he joined the organization. How has uh, he influenced the organizations, uh, you know, with that, this small amount of time that he's been with you guys? Yeah. Have you, either of you got to meet Dustin? Um, I've never met him. I've talked to him on Twitter quite a few times and followed a lot of his stuff uh, before he was hired by you guys. Okay. Yes. Um, extremely intelligent. Um, a pleasure to be around. He came out and visited us here in Modesto for a a handful of days as well um but you know just as brilliant as he is he's also um, a very kind human being um you know easy to talk to and 
uh, fun to listen to because he has so much stuff that you just want to know. And, um, you know, so we've, we've brought on some new technology with the Mariners, ways to help the athletes and having people understand and read, read the data points and present it to us so that we can, you know, bring it on to the athletes as well is extremely important. And, um, Dustin is, is working with the KVEST information right now and, you know, starting in spring, collecting data. I mean, it's, we're still real early with it and, you know, what it's going to bring us come this off season is going to be even greater than it already brought us this spring. But, you know, you can sit there and, and Dustin can take a, an athlete's swing and really start to make some strong assumptions about, you know, where, where some deficiencies might be in, in their mobility, um, you know, how to maximize potential power. And, you know, you can even start to see where parts of their body are tight. So you, you start to connect this stuff together with our athletic trainers. I mean, Dustin has, you know, background in a number of different fields, so he can start to see these things uh, correlate. But, um, you know, looking at a player's swing, you know, based on off the tee or front flips or or the machine or live BP and starting to track it uh, over a long period of time, you know, where, how their body's feeling, you know, what might be restricting them um, to really let it go or different parts, you know, you can notice, hey, you know, when we're sitting there working on the inside pitch, this is something that, that we see the body is is restricting itself or uh, how is the kinetic chain really working and what we can do, and especially working with the, the hitting coaches, what, we, what can we do to um, clean up this movement um, so this player has a much more efficient approach getting to the baseball, that they're on time more consistently. But this is all something that, you know, he can see looking at looking at the data points. So I think everyone in the organization's pretty eager to get an email or a phone call or have him come into town and hey, share with me, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, again, I think it's something that's that's still still fresh. Um, and you know, come this off season and next spring training, there's going to be a ton more information that he's able to share with us. It's going to make us all better as a as an organization. Yeah, man, it sounds like Dustin is a tremendous resource for you guys to utilize there. Um, I kind of want to go back and touch on a piece of your story that you mentioned. Uh, you, you played an integral part during those back-to-back World Series teams at Oregon State in 06 and 07. You know, Pat Casey's been on air raving about your leadership ability. When you look back at your journey, how have your leadership qualities transformed and developed during this transition from player to coach to now managing? Uh, those, I, I think the the time I had at Oregon State really, really helped transform me into the the man I am today. Coach Casey was very influential. Um, Jess Lewis, the head grounds crew keeper at Oregon State, is one of my biggest heroes. Um, there was a time that my my brother and father and I grew much closer together. First day of college, I we had we had lost my mother um, to a drug overdose, and 
kind of opened up my eyes about a lot of things and led me into a class drugs and sports um, to learn a little bit more and met, met Jess Lewis and you know him opening up his story and sharing it with the class and taking extra time with me and helping me unravel my story and share it with kids was was therapeutic and it taught me um, a lot about the people around me my brother you know taught me how to be fearless my mom was a a, a fun loving person and my my father you know pushed hard and uh, worked his tail off all the time you know I started to look at those around me and say you know what I'm going to make the most out of this life that I have and if I if I see something that is you know not up to par you know you you got to be able to hold those around you accountable and you know I had been very fortunate in high school too I had had great coaches um you know Ken Collins as a as a football coach and Mike Hodgins Roger Anderson and Brandon Schmidt as baseball coaches Brent Barnes one of the greatest wrestling coaches uh, in the country uh, hands down um and you learn a lot about hard work and and breaking through walls um you know that that time at Oregon State though I felt like it was all preparing me uh, for for that moment and getting in there and being surrounded by the the brothers that I had while I was there I mean we have as a matter of fact, right now I'm getting text messages from a handful, and we have a uh, a group group text thread with all the guys on it, and you know we're constantly messaging one another and and still remaining very close. Um, but you know the things that that we did when we were there, we dreamed big together, and we were up. You know we're over the cages, uh, Alexander at 10:30 at night with the stereo going, hitting in the cages, and spending time together. You know, it taught you, you know, what really preparing uh, together could do. And uh, before the season started, <laughs> my best friend since fifth grade, Ryan, we we're sitting around one time. We had made we had made a song and talking about how we we're going to win the national championship. And, believe that it's important to if, if you're fearless to to think about it and fearless to write about it fearless to say it and fearless to act on it you got a chance of doing it and that's kind of why we we made a song that we were going to win the whole championship was hey if, if we're afraid to say it then you know, it's never going to happen you know you got to be bold and so we put it all out there and i remember Coach Casey going, uh, you're putting a lot out there right there. You ready to back it up? <laughs> We're like, let's do it, man, one way or another. And no five, we went there and lost both both games, uh, close games to Tulane and Baylor. And, you know, the whole – as soon as the game was over, it's like, hey, let's go. You gotta, we're going to get back here next year, and, and we're going to win this thing. We can do it. And it's it's amazing to see what – if you really believe and you're willing to fight for it, what can be accomplished? And, you know, we had a, uh, an amazing coaching staff, Coach Case, Ann Spencer, Marty Lees, and, and Dave Wong. I mean, 
the players that we had on those teams, the guys that were there before us that started to get the ball rolling. I mean, it's been that university is, is something special and the people in that area are very special. So very blessed. God did. God is always amazing. And, and especially right there, he put the pieces together and surrounded, surrounded a great community with amazing people. So, um, but that big point of, I think if you're able to, if, if you really want something, you, you got to think about it you got to write it down. You got to talk about it and you got to be about it. You know, those four steps, um, that's, that's how great things happen. I think. Awesome. Um, and you also, you know, mentioned obviously early with your interactions with Andy McKay. Um, I was just with him this past week and he's an amazing, amazing mind. Um, and he brings so much to the table. It's an amazing resource for you guys. How have you utilized them within your, uh, with your team and at your level? Oh, you asked me about Dustin. I asked me about Andy and <laughs> I gotta be careful. I can't give you all my secrets. Man. <laughs> these, these guys are our secret weapons. Uh, our, our, our people within the Mariners organization, that's the most valuable, you know, resource we have. The, the, the intellect, the, the passion that they have um in their in their jobs and this organization and the people in northwest i mean it's these are our secret weapons so i gotta be careful not to give you too much but uh you know andy is extremely bright he's been someone who's been very influential uh since i had uh, first met him and you know he spent a lot of time uh, the the mental side of uh of the game of baseball and life and He's someone that anyone in the organization, I mean, it's, if anything, he probably doesn't get any sleep at all because everyone wants to reach out to him and, and ask for advice on, you know, situations, whether it be situations in baseball or, you know, dealing with, um, you know, how to get players better or what resources to use, um, you know, and, and he does a great job um, listening. And, you know, he, he makes you feel like you are extremely important and that you can do so many things to, to change the lives of those around you. But he's well-versed in so many different pieces of the game that, you know, I mean, really you can call Andy for, for anything and, and walk away from the conversation saying, you know what, I feel 10 times smarter than I did before the conversation. And, uh, one thing I really respect about Andy is that he is um, extremely honest with everyone. You know, he he believes in in just being upfront and honest and not hiding anything. And I think that goes a long way with with all the players and staff. You know, the cards are all on the table, and you know what you need to do to get better. And that's 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 how you're going to do that. And if you hide things, then you know you're not really you don't really have the opportunity to to take a big step forward. You know, uh, Andy had taught us about you know, three big pillars in teaching. Um, one is knowledge, two is uh, communication, and three is accountability. And Andy does a great job um, representing those pieces. He's very knowledgeable. He communicates them very well with us as a staff. Um, and he holds us accountable to them. So, and, and you could tell by the people that, that he's hired, um, 
you know, from the player player development standpoint, uh, that you know he knows what he's doing and he has the right the right kind of uh, mindset. The people that he's bringing in at every affiliate, they're the the people of hitting coaches, pitching coaches, athletic trainers, strength coaches, managers. They're all they all like align with those philosophies. Easy to talk to any, any of the staff members in our organization. Um, we had uh, a gathering this spring with all of our staff, and we're learning from one another. Everyone shares their intellect, um, and Andy has created an environment that's, you know, really good for that, and it's making each and every person in this organization better, and we're pushing ourselves, we're pushing one another uh, to, to be better teachers and to be better for this organization and um, the people of the Northwest. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Andy yesterday and that was, um, you know, uh, not yesterday, I guess it was Saturday, um, but it was just interesting. He was kind of going through, you know, how one of the greatest things he said is he's, he's like, you know, even the worst hitter in the MLB is a pretty damn good baseball player when he swings at his pitches. And, you know, That's looking at looking at that data, unbelievable. And then even he's the opposite way. He's like, even the very best hitters are terrible when they don't swing at their their pitches. So it's it's interesting, like to to, you know, like when he's evaluating all of that and kind of what he's pulling mm-hmm. from that. So it was, it was real cool to um, it was real cool to just hear him talk. I've, I've heard him talk a couple of times. He talked at the ABCA. He talked at. um he talked here at Bridge the Gap, and also I follow him on Twitter and things, so I, I see some of the things that he puts out. So, isn't it funny that you know like, the, the simplest form of it? Swing if you swing at good pitches and you're on time, yeah. things align pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your mechanics all of a sudden look real good when you're on time. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to spend all your time like feeling your mechanics while you're trying to swing, good luck trying to hit a pitch. It's like it's like being a boxer, and you know, you got a guy in front of you that you're, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid punches and trying to punch him. But the whole time you're sitting down looking at your feet, wondering what your feet are doing, you're probably going to get hit. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have the time to sit there and stare at your body or think about what's going on. You know, it's yeah. about being being on time, being ready to hit. Yeah. And that kind of ties into like, you know, when it comes to the skill acquisition side and kind of how your body processes motor patterns, kind of like that, it's, um, you get to this point where in the very beginning, like, again, just like you said, when you're a boxer and you're, you know, maybe in the beginning as a device learner, you're, you're thinking about where your feet are moving and all those other things, but you get in the ring with money, you know, like Mayweather, he's gonna, he has this unconscious consciousness. At first you have a conscious consciousness, um, of, you know, you're, you know what you're trying to do. Oh, sorry. In, incompetent consciousness where you, you don't know how your body's moving. You don't know how your body's moving. Um, and you're unconscious to that. Um, and so then you get to this point where you get this, that conscious consciousness where you know where you have to move, but you have to think about it. And then at some point you get to this point where you're, uh, you know, an elite expert or some of these elite athletes where they don't need to think about, like when I talk to, when I talk to Conseco all the time, he doesn't even think about his lower half. There's, there's no thought period about his lower half, but mm-hmm. at the same time too, he uses his lower half very, very, very well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but at, at one point maybe, you know, uh, like you'll hear a lot of MLB guys, they'll be talking about how they don't think about their hands, but at the same time they have really good hands. 
So mm-hmm. it's interesting when you get some of those guys, it's like, yeah, to the point, we do want to get to a spot that you don't have to think about anything that you do um, and that it's just second nature to you. But also we can't uh, deny that, you know, when you're, start, you're learning something new for the first time, you may need to think about it for a while until you can do it unconsciously, you know? Yeah. And so when, you know, we can work on all these things, you know, Dustin can bring all this data of like, you know, patterns and uh, things that we need to fix and we can work on those pregame. Um, but when we get into the game, you know, it's, it's go time, you know, it's, it's, you gotta, you know, let your body move. Um, you know, you can mess with some things like timing wise, maybe you start a little later, or, you know, you're, you're like, okay, I studied this guy in the, in the video room, you know, I'm not going to start my swing until the lowering of his leg lift or et cetera. But, um, when it comes to like how the, the body moves, it's, it's really hard. Like you said, you can't be internal and in trying to hit a ball coming at you at 90 plus not going to happen. Yeah. So you're right and and everyone learns so different it's yeah. uh you know see it's, you can't just try to teach one thing one way and you gotta teach it if you got a room full of athletes you gotta teach it 25 different ways almost you know yeah um, you're right so you're right. that that's the fun part about coaching <laughs> yeah yeah i think you make a great point in that players are going to learn in different ways so therefore, you know, as coaches and, and mentors, we better be able to teach and communicate in different, uh, uh, different effective ways. Um, I mean, you know that, especially being involved in the minor league system where those guys are getting ready for that next potential call-up. Um, so, so my question is, in, in the Mariners organization, how do you guys work to individualize specific plans to maximize player development? Well, our, I mean, our, our player plans – Sitting down, um, we, we take time daily to meet with, you know, I mean, really meet with one, multiple athletes uh, every day to make sure that they have a plan and process. They know that they have a clear vision of what they're supposed to be doing day in and day out, um, you know, to keep their strengths, their strengths and, and, and what are those opportunities for growth and how are we working on them to turn them into strengths? Um, you know, and the more we are able to sit down and remind them that, hey, we are paying attention and we're, we're watching you, like we're here with you to help you and we're able to provide, um, you know, a number of different resources, you know, that prove to them that that's, that's an important part. It's one thing to just say it, you know, but you got to build, build their trust, have multiple ways of proving hey this is what we see this is why you're good at this and this is what you've done this is your track record compared to everyone else and show them that there is not like a a path for each and every player to um, make it to the big leagues maximize their potential and here's exactly how you can do it you know you know that that keeps keeps them engaged it shows that they are you know significant and you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is just put your arm around someone and say, you know, like, I see you. Hey, I'm with you. I'm watching you. And and that's why I think that you know, the people um, in the Mariners organization are our best resource uh, above any technical tool or whatever we can bring in. You know, the people have got to be able to relay the information and really uplift the players, how we use that. There's a ton of information. No doubt about it, but it's how we it's how we relay that stuff to the player and make sure that the timing the timing of it is appropriate as well. Um, so you know we sit down daily as a staff 
you know, before games, during the game, our communications uh, very high and post game uh, debriefing, talking about players, what can we do the next day to help them, um, you know, achieve their goals? Uh, what, what can we help them do to maintain their strengths and prepare and, and get external when they're competing? Um, you know, all those things align, but I think it's just, you know, the times time spent um, preparing for those meetings. If you're going to go communicate with a player, you can't just go into it and then try to arrange your thoughts. You know, it all has to be done before. Just like we're asking a player to prepare um, really well before they go out and compete, well, we have to do the same thing as the staff. You go into a conversation with the player and you're not prepared, and much like this, <laughs> this interview right now, you guys don't have questions prior to and, and have an idea of how you want this thing to flow, and I guess it's not going to go too well. Yeah, love that. Um, you know, and that's that's a big thing. I was going to pick your brain about this because coaches have so many different um, ideas on this, and I've, you know, especially with you guys being a progressive, I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain. Um, what's the thoughts on you guys making – and giving some adjustments to hitters like in game um is it an absolute never or is it an you know sometimes with a particular person with you know you know maybe we tell them to close off maybe we tell them to open up a little bit maybe we tell them you know we're going to change the external focus hey your next ab let's look right center and maybe that cleans some things up i mean what's what's your kind of organizational thoughts and kind of some things that you've utilized uh, with that individual process in game well it all i mean if it if we're trying to coach some of that stuff, the the internal things in the game, it uh, it's usually a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that someone's trying to think about that at the time. It all depends on the the person. You know, some people can handle smaller things, some people can handle larger things. Um, but really, during the game, I mean, even when we're working uh, during batting practice, you know, you'll you'll have someone go, "Hey, it, was that a strike?" And they're like, well, time out. Was that your strike? You know, are we chasing the strike zone or are we chasing your strike zone? You know, try to simplify things for the player so that their their head isn't spinning too much when they're in the box or on the mound or out in the field. But I find that a lot of it in game is it's time to go out and compete. Mm-hmm. Keep your head clear. What are we what are we hunting? Like the idea of saying, you know what, I'm focusing on the left center gap. I see the pitch. This is this is where I see the pitch coming. This is where I see it go when I, when I smack it and mm-hmm. trying to keep it simple there as opposed to, okay, my foot needs to be in here. You know, my leg kick, you see a guy who's just not on time. Maybe it's something simple like, Hey, let's get the hands moving a little bit sooner, mm-hmm. you know, or let's utilize, you know, the on deck circle or being in the hole a little bit better. You know, what, what can get us at end result without, putting them to a, an internal thought. Like I said, when you're in the box, if you step in the box and there's your head still uh, moving different directions, you know, that's when you need to step out. And I think that's an important piece of teaching as well as, you know, if you're a hitter and you're getting, you're stepping in that, in the box, it, there can't be a, a number of things going through your head. It has to be very simple, right? Whether it's a inside part of the baseball or, you know, left center, something, something very specific and doesn't allow your body and mind to start drifting a million different ways. You know, if you're focusing on pulling your knee to your chest and this, that, and the other thing, it's going to be difficult to go out and compete, you know, free and clear mind. 
don't don't want to slow down the operating system. It's like <laughs> it's like what my iPhone tries to do to me right now. It says you need a new one, Mitch. So I'm gonna work really slow until you give me an upgrade. I just think it's it's you you know very interesting to watch how different coaches interact. I think we can learn from one another, you know, how they approach a player and say like you know are they are they leading with question marks as opposed to periods? How are they getting the best out of this player? And a lot of them will ask questions, get the player involved, even though they may know the answer or have an idea, it's the player has got to come up with the answer themselves, you know, make it their idea. You know, they're the ones who have to go execute it. So I find some of the best coaches, which we have a lot of great coaches in our organization, they're able to ask the right questions to get the player uh, to those end result and keep them engaged in the moment. And, you know, uh, kind of to jump on that as well is, you know, the Mariners are known as one of the top teams in utilizing numbers and data collection and, and those resources. Um, how have you guys applied that data to your players' development? I know that you've mentioned that it's pretty pretty soon and you guys are just, you know, kind of learning through that and doing some things, but I'm interested to see what you guys have been utilizing, you know, already. I mean, there's a ton of different things. Um, we also, you know, not only with KVS, also use uh, the Rapsodo uh, pitching and, and hitting modules as well, which are great. Um, you know, you can get a lot of stuff out of them, just small things, you know, slow um, or high def, high def cameras, slow motion capture, you know, show, help the pitchers trying to repeat, repeat their pitches, where are their grips, you know, what, what would be the best pitches for these guys to use and, and how to repeat their deliveries. You know, TrackMan has been has been awesome, especially like, you know, giving our players confidence and our pitchers uh, a lot of help with defensive positioning. I mean, the simple stuff of knowing where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there. Um, you know, our our quality control guys at each affiliate is a huge help too. Preparing you know our advanced reports for the games and teaching the players how to read that information. You know, scattering reports. We have all this information on the opposing pitchers and, and hitters. You know, our guys just need to know how to process it. What's the important pieces of information for them to see, you know, going into the game? There are some pitchers that, you know, want very minimal uh, information. You know, I'm, hey, I'm going out and I'm I'm sticking with my best stuff and this is what I do and here we go. You know, and there are other guys who maybe need to see a bit more information because they can manipulate the ball to both sides of the plate, you know, show me their weakness and I can attack it. Hmm. Um, and for, for our hitters as well, you know, understanding, you know, you look at a, a advanced report on opposing pitcher and you can be overwhelmed. Like you can know, the fact is you can know anything about, about everybody. Uh, you know, what he, you know, what percentage he throws each pitch and every count with, you know, at what time of day, depending on the, the lunar pole and what, I mean, whatever, you can break it down a million different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's about being able to keep it simple, you know, and really, you know, what do we like to do as hitters? We like to hunt the fastball mm -hmm. where, how often do they throw the fastball and, and what's the velo so I can be on time and, and what locations do they typically throw? Um, you see a guy and you get the information that, Hey, this guy, you know, whenever he's behind the count, you know you're getting a heater. Man, that's a reassuring to know. Stepping in the box going, you know what? This guy's going to throw some fastballs. Good. I can be on time. That That's what I want to hit right now. But 
really like being able to trust your eyes is probably one of the most valuable resources you have. You know, when a pitcher is warming up, sitting there watching, it's going to tell you a ton. It's going to show you how to be on time. I mean, we have video on everything and, you know, true media, you know, which a lot of, a lot of teams are, are using now. You know, there's no, there's no real secrets mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, being able to learn the zone and be on time is, is a valuable tool. But as far as the amount of resources, it's, it's endless. The, the, the data that you can collect. I think that most of the time we spend using our, our resource of our people, you know, more than anything. But all the other stuff is, is great to have. And when needed, we draw upon it and use it to help our players get better. Yeah, we can never undervalue the people that we have in our organizations. And out of all the resources that we have today, sometimes we forget about our physical self and that our eyes can often give us the information that is most useful in the moment. Um, Mitch, one of the reasons Joey and I were excited to have you on is because we haven't really had a catching guy. Can you kind of open up on some of the daily drills or daily work that you like to see your catchers get in? Um, well, first and foremost, I want them spending uh, as much time with the pitchers as possible when they're playing catch, and throwing their <laughs> throwing their flat grounds. You know, the more time those guys are out there, I know they want to. You know, they'd like to be in the cage or or maybe not squatting. <laughs> But there's so much that they can get out of the pitcher uh, just by spending time talking with them, watching them play catch. You know, those pitchers need to really trust uh, the catcher. So spending time with them and asking questions is probably the most valuable piece. But as far as like the the drill work and down here, you know, in California, it gets hot out in the summer. It gets hot in a lot of different leagues in the summer. But so being able to utilize, you know, uh, a concrete wall and a couple tennis balls or baseballs or what have you inside and use the AC to to prepare your hands for the game, doing some receiving, doing some either wall receiving or wall blocking or, or footwork to throw stuff. Um, you can do a lot with tennis balls, lacrosse balls, and, and baseballs indoors in a very small space, um, which I, which I really like to do. So seeing our, our, uh, our catchers do, you know, abbreviated routines before they uh, jump in and, and warm up the pitcher is important. You know, making sure that we have our the basic acquisition piece of, hey, this is how I receive the baseball, this is how I block it, you know, but then speeding it up and making sure that they are being competitive in their drill work as well. You know, if you're using a machine, it's not just sit there and have the machine pummel balls in the dirt where you know where they're going. You know, it's varying it up. Some are in the air, some are on the ground, some are left, some are right, you know, and you got to do it at a high speed because these guys, when they come in the game, you know, they're throwing it pretty hard. And, you know, there's sometimes that you, they're dotting up the pitches and there's sometimes the game may speed up a little bit or something doesn't feel a little right or that guy coming in in the eighth, ninth inning, you know, now there's holes all, all, all over the mound and they're landing in the hole. So it's difficult to maybe be consistent, you know, there's, Runners in scoring position, they might, you know, the the, the the game speed may may get them a little bit. So they have to be ready to move. You know, I I noticed that uh, as the game progresses and it starts to get in that six, seven, eight, nine, and guys are coming out of the pen throwing pretty good stuff. You know, the the height of our target starts to uh, rise a little bit, which means that pitch low in the zone, we start to push it down as opposed to work up through it. So we might lose pitches later in the game or, you know, 
the stuff you can see as far as receiving primary versus secondary. You know, when runners are on, we're not getting the same amount of pitches that we're getting when nobody's on. Just because we're not in a relaxed position. We're not, it's not, you know, the, the tempo of the game is, isn't as slow. So, you know, we start to push a little bit. So if we can train our catchers with the receiving piece, receiving is what's going to get us into a 1-0 count as opposed to an 0-1 count, you know, or back into the count. When it's 1-1, that is, 0-0s and 1-1s are huge counts for us. And how we receive those pitches, how our target presentation is, and uh, knowing what what our pitcher can best throw in those situations, those are all huge parts of the game. So I'd say we spend majority of the time getting to know our pitchers and their stuff, and then the receiving standpoint. Love that, and you know that kind of dives into you kind of mentioned it a couple of times throughout your journey, and and you know one thing that I'm really interested in is. You know, when I, I understand that schedule, that schedule, you guys are constantly traveling again. Like you just said, you're, you know, just got in at four in the morning. You're back, you're back on a podcast with uh, these two guys. So, <laughs> but in any case, with that schedule and that constant go process, um, how are you making sure that you're still developing yourself um, and staying up to date on all this data that's coming into the game and still progressing yourself um, so you don't, you know, get left behind um, in the process and in, in the, the, that struggle of, of that constant motion. Sure. Just as we're asking our players to get better, you know, we need to um, set a great example of that and make sure that we're doing our continued education, going to events like, you know, the ABCA or the Northwest Coaches Convention or Pitchapalooza, you name it. Um, you know, utilizing social media to learn from others, you know, our people within the organization uh, are our best resource. Um, so communicating with others at the other affiliates or coordinators, staying in touch with them, asking questions, in-game situations. You know, we, we do a really good job at sharing literature, or various articles that we find or videos. Uh, we do a great job throughout the organization sharing and elect that we're picking up. We find really interesting. We share with other people. So a lot of it's just the extra time. It's not just showing up, posting a lineup and going out there and hitting ground balls and throwing BP. You know, there are a lot of extra hours, you know, doing, doing research, watching video, you know, collaborating on things, listening to what the players are saying. You want to find out, you know, hey, how can, how can I be a better servant to you? And if they can give you, they can be honest with you and, and give you that, that critique. I mean, it can go a long way. So we have to be willing to say, where are my deficiencies and how, how can I get better? And and doing that often, you can't just, you know, revisit it once a year. It's like, hey, you have goals as a player. We have goals as, as teachers, coaches, and let's find a way to, that we can be better for you guys. And, and looking at it, like, what is your why? You know, it's not just to, to coach these, these 25 uh, young men that we have right here in front of us. You know, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's to help the organization, to help – you know, I remember, you know, when the Mariners um, growing up and we're watching the Mariners do it back in 95 and, you know, what it did for the community, what it did, what it did, you know, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, um, you know, the excitement that, that people have day in and day out in the Northwest, you know, for some, for myself, I guess it, it has a, a greater meaning being from the Northwest, uh, born and raised. 
I don't I don't want it to just feel like a, a small picture. I mean, we're doing this for for one another. We're we're a family, and you know, you'll do anything for your family to get better, and that means sometimes being honest with them and giving them the 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 hard truth because you know it's the right thing to do. That's I think that's what what's so special about this organization is we can have those hard conversations because we know we're doing it truly for one another and and for you know a greater entity. Matt, it's so cool to listen to how passionate you are about the Northwest, you know, with you being born and raised there. And I think it goes back to that third pillar of accountability you mentioned and you tying in your why as to how you go about giving back to the game of baseball. Uh, considering all of that, Mitch, what's your end goal? I mean, what do you want out of this whole baseball coaching gig? My mind has floated around a number of different things, but really, you know, I I, I love to teach. Um, I love to be involved in sport because I, as I had talked about earlier, I think it can do so much for someone's life, you know, being in a competitive environment and uh, I'm really just kind of embracing um, every day for what it's worth and trying to learn, uh, being open uh, to what God has has for me and where he wants me to be. I think those doors um, he's going to show me and to pursue them uh, to the best of my ability. You know, We have two beautiful young kids that are starting kindergarten and, and pre-K uh, this fall, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm doing what's best for my family as well as the the Mariners family. But, you know, I would love to coach at the highest level, you know, but regardless, I I just love, I love coaching wherever I'm at. I've had a great time in the Midwest league, had a great coaching staff, great group of players, really enjoyed being out here in the, in the Cal league and, and managing at this level. You know, there's so much that I, I haven't done on this side of the game um, that I'm excited for the opportunities that, that may come, you know, continuing to ask questions to our rovers to see what it's like through, through their eyes and how they feel that they're best impacting people's lives. But I would love to, I, I had a great, great opportunity last year. got invited to go up to Safeco for a few games at the end of our season and sit there in the dugout and observe and watch Scott and the rest of the staff go about their business and see, you know, the players and what that level of play is like and the game speed and the the information that they get and share with the players as well. It's a remarkable environment. And, you know, I, I do have, I do have uh, some pretty, pretty big dreams. And it's really just goes back to influencing the most people and, and doing what, uh, utilizing the gifts, I guess, that God has, has provided me and given me an opportunity to learn. It's using them for him. Awesome. I love, I mean, uh, Bo and I say, it seems like every single episode now of <laughs> embracing God and kind of spreading his kingdom. So I love that it comes up every single episode with some of these high level leaders and it's really impactful and exciting to see. And, um, you know, Mitch, we just wanted to say thank you for, you know, giving back to us today. And I know it's your you don't get many off days and for you to jump on this morning after, you know, what you jumping in last night, we just really appreciate you. Hey, I love it. I'm glad I got to be a part of it. Got got to meet both of you and grateful that uh, Drew forwarded uh, us together so that we had a chance to talk. Glad you guys got a chance to chat with, uh, with Mr. McKay and understand a little bit of more, more about the Mariners organization and the cool stuff that we're doing and the great people we have in this process. So, 
always look for a chance to share in um, the great stuff that's going on. Love it. Thanks again, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Let me just say that Mitch is an absolute stud for getting in at four in the morning and then jumping on a call with us, getting no sleep and being out with his daughters and making it all work. So great to have him on. Um, this call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, it, it says a lot about Mitch's character hopping on after a long bus ride through the night. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? Um, one thing I love about Seattle and, you know, following Dustin Lynn's stuff. Um, also, just a quick shout. If you don't follow Dustin Lynn's Google Drive, you're missing out. Okay? <laughs> go get his Google Drive. Go to his Twitter. Um, it has hitters. Uh, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of swings from every hitter you can think of, Hall of Fame hitters. I mean, it's unbelievable. So uh, if you're not doing that, make sure you get that. Now, going with that, Seattle Seattle is known to be one of the most progressive organizations um, out of, you know, in in. A big part of that is obviously a lot of the data that they're using and some of their their personnel that they have on staff of where they're trying to utilize this stuff. Um, so my biggest takeaway is again, and I think the pushing forward is the constant question that will be asked is great. We can now track a lot of this data. We have a lot of great resources. We have a lot of great technology. Um, but how are we utilizing this data? When, where, how, how much, with which players? And I think you know keep you know, the guys out of the frontier of this and some of the organizations that are really leading the way on this, that's going to be a big question here moving forward is, you know what, You're, they're going to make some mistakes in the beginning. They're going to give out too much information. They're going to give out the wrong information. They're going to track some things that help some guys and don't help other guys. And which information, like you said, are you releasing to certain guys? And I think there's always going to be that art component to it. It's never going to just be guys just pumping out data because players don't play like that. Um, so I think that's my biggest call takeaway is going to be, you know, how we're utilizing that data and some of the things that they were doing in the organization to progress that. How about you, Bo? Yeah, mine builds off that. You know, I love how we talked about the culture that they built throughout the entire Mariners organization, you know, not not just at that lower level he's at. Um, I also liked how we talked about the three pillars, knowledge, communication, and accountability. I think this allows the personnel to all be on the same page. You know, it's it's great to have all this data and analytics and sabermetrics, but if you don't have a unified plan, then those are merely just numbers. So I love how I talked about the resources within the people and then utilizing the data to get the most out of their players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you guys, as always, this is a great episode. Um, but just because, again, we're trying to hit every organization. I mean, I would love to say that we've gone through every single one. But then on top of that, you have every single coach and the guys are constantly going in and out and, you know, all these name, you know, these new names into the game and, um, that's a great thing about it right now. There is a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's competitive, but at the same time too, it's just progressing the game. The compound effect of what's happening right now in the game is just unbelievable. So um, with that guys, uh, continue to share it, you know, um, continue to drive the conversation forward of how we use this data. Um, let's talk on Twitter, reach out to us. What are some ways that you're using uh, data within, you know, your high school team, your th- club ball team with, your, you know, again, if you're in another organization, what are ways that you guys are using? Um, I'm interested, me and Bo are, are and we know that's the new charge of we're collecting data, but how are we using that? Um, so again, let's continue to share that stuff and drive that conversation. Um, and as always, guys, share this on, on social media, um, subscribe to us, make sure you guys, if you're a first time listener, you don't want to miss any more of these, um, these, these talks as we talked about is, you know, if you're going to get left behind, you know, if we're not continuing to progress and podcast is definitely a way to do that. 
Um, we just want to be an extension of that and a bridge for you guys. But until next time, Farm System out. Ah.